Amen. Next Sunday, Rod's sharing the message. Woo! It's good to hear Rod, isn't it? He always has something good to bring. He's been had something brewing for a few weeks. So I said, well, you better let it out. So he's going to let it out next Sunday. Amen? So good. We're going to talk about faith today. So, Lord, as we come to your word afresh, we, as has already been said, we yield to you. We surrender to you. Lord, anything in us, in our mindsets, in our thinking, in our hearts that needs to go or needs to shift, that you would shift it. Lord, that we would walk in the greater things, that we would walk in the fullness of everything that you have done for us and provided for us. God, we ask today, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Increase our faith. Because you are the wonder-working God. You are the mountain-moving God. You are the miracle-working God. Increase our faith in Jesus' name. Amen? Faith inheriting the promises. Faith inheriting the promises. You know, faith is one of the currencies in the kingdom of God. I'll term it that way. Hunger is a currency. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, so they will be filled. Come, all you are thirsty. Come, all you are hungry. Honor is another one. But faith is one of the currencies in the kingdom of God. The kingdom operates differently to the things of this world, amen? Differently, so differently to the things of this world. And that's why it's more important, you know, that we spend time in the Word, we spend time in prayer, we spend time in these ways because God needs to renew our minds. He needs to renew our thought processes that we would align with heaven, amen? I've been thinking about faithfulness lately. God, is in part of the word that he's been giving me for the next little bit, he's been talking to me about faithfulness. You know, we want to hear those words, don't we? Well done, good and faithful servant. But faithfulness is important because the word of God says that those who are faithful with what I've given to them, I will give more. And so often, you know, whether it's gifting, whether it's calling, whether it's finances, whether it's possessions, whatever it is, we want more. But God is saying, I want you to be faithful with what I've given you. You can be praying on one hand, for example, for more finances, but if you're not being faithful in your giving, then there is a blockage there. There is a withholding. You can pray for doors to open, to go and minister in, in other places, in other nations. But if you're not being faithful in stewarding what is, God has given you in the here and now, then there's a blockage. We need to be faithful. Amen? Faithful, faithfulness. In Hebrews 11 which we're going to come back to. It says in verse 1, Now faith is the assurance or the confidence of what is hoped for. The proof of what is not yet seen. And in verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
Since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Faith. Paul says to the church in Corinth, he says, For we walk by. We walk by. That's not very convincing. We walk by. Bless you, my girl. We walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? We could, I mean, we could spend a lot of time quoting different verses that have faith in it. In Romans 1, it says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, in verse 16, For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews and also to the Gentiles. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. James says, faith without works is dead. You say you have faith, well, I'll show you what I do. I'll show you my faith by what I do. That shows us whether we actually have a faith, doesn't it? We can tell if we have faith because we can step out into things and, and know that God is faithful. We can sit back in the boat like the rest of the disciples and say, I've got faith, yeah, I've, I believe for this, yeah, I believe for that. And yet Peter was the one that said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. Faith. I think there's two opposites of faith. The obvious is probably fear slash unbelief because fear and unbelief cripple you. Fear and, fear and unbelief stop you from taking ground. They stop you from moving forward. Amen? Fear is lurking in our nation. Fear is, fear is lurking in the churches. Fear is lurking. The enemy is trying to cripple people with fear. And this is why the kingdom of God operates by faith. But I think the other opposite has to also be love. Because perfect love casts out all fear. The love of God which has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit brings us to a place where we can walk by faith because we know that we are accepted, we are secure, and we are loved. We could reopen Galatians. Galatians speaks a lot about faith. We head back to Hebrews in chapter 6. It says in verse 11 and 12, Now we desire each of you to demonstrate the same diligence for the full assurance of your hope until the end. Verse 12 is what I want to focus on. So that you won't become lazy, but will become imitators of those who inherit the promises through faith and perseverance. Isn't it interesting? I think part of the, the mentality in, the, in our nation, the she'll be right attitude, she'll be right mate attitude, is part of the reason that we are where we are. And according to that verse, I could probably say that it's made us lazy as, as 
people of God because we've got, she'll be right, God's got it, she'll be right. When God is actually looking for people who will believe Him and partner with Him. When Jesus left this earth, He said, it's better for you that I go because I'm going to send my spirit and I'm going to put my spirit in you, and you are going to be my mouthpiece. You are going to be my hands. You are going to be my feet. You are going to be the salt. You are going to be the light. You were called to go and make disciples of nations. We, we, we have this theology, and I don't want to really get into this today, where we say God is in control. Well, I question that theology, because the Word of God says that God is in charge. And part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And what I mean by that is, if he was a controlling God, there'd be no love. Because love does not control. You, put it this way, you are not a puppet on a string. Where you don't have any choice, where you don't have any, any, anything. You, you're not. He's given us a choice. He sent his Son. Not to condemn the world, but to save it. But there's a choice. You have a choice today. What you're going to eat for lunch. God's not controlling you. I know what people try to say, but sometimes we just let that come across everything. God's in control. Whatever will be, will be. No. We have to align ourselves with heaven. God's made his will known. God's made his plans known. He's made it known through Jesus Christ. And he has called us to be a people set apart for him to take the nations. We want to inherit the promises through faith and perseverance. Amen? We want to be like the patriarchs of faith. who They didn't sit back and go, she'll be right, mate. They said, God said, we need to take Jericho. We're going to take Jericho. They did it the way that God said to do it, but they still did it. God said, we're going to take the promised land. God said this. They believed it, and through faith and perseverance, they inherited it. The part of the problem is that we don't have the perseverance that we used to have. And I think that's partly because we haven't been through a lot of stuff. This generation, actually some, some of you may have, and I don't mean that means you're old, more mature. But you know, my dad grew up in London during World War II. There was, there was, there was fighters going over his head. There was, there was firebombs. You know, one of the firebombs even dropped through the roof of their, their two-story house. And because it fell in a bathtub full of water, it didn't detonate, it didn't go off. And my dad and his family were spared. He never knew what ice cream was. He never knew what bananas were. He never knew any of that stuff until he came. I can only imagine what he went through. But you know what it did? It created a perseverance. It created something in him that said, you know what, I'm going to keep going. And I think because our life in this nation has been all comfy, lazy boy Christianity, lazy boy life, that we've actually lost the backbone of faith and perseverance. Is, that, is this all right? Oh, someone said preach it. De oh, Debbie Gamlin. Was that you? Woo, thank, thanks, Deb. I don't say this for any other reason that God is saying, I'm calling you up higher. 
I want you to, I'm calling you up to live the way that I've called you to live because you are overcomers. You don't come underneath, but you rise above. That's who we are in Christ. That is who we are. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. Amen. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus said, the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay in helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, we're not talking about saving faith. We're not talking about the gift of faith. According to 1 Corinthians 12, one of the gifts, one of the manifestation gifts of faith, of the Holy Spirit, is faith. And we're not talking about that. Jesus is not talking about that. He's talking about a faith that will inherit the promises. A potent faith, a strong faith, a steely faith. A faith that believes God in spite of. And I'm encouraged because I see more and more people amongst us believing God in spite of. In spite of the circumstances, in spite of the doctor's diagnosis, in spite of, in spite of, in spite of, there are more and more people that are believing God. How encouraging is that? Look around you. Look at the testimonies. Look at the good things that God has done and begin to praise Him because the best is yet to come. If Liz was here, that's what she'd say. I'm not spending a lot of time in this today, but it reminded me because we've looked at this on and off over the, the years. The 12 scouts that went out into the promised land and God said, go and search out the land that I'm giving to you. Well, there's a word right there. He said, go and search out the land that I am giving to you. <laughs> they lost that word in the midst of the giants and the fortified cities. They lost the fact that God said, go and search the land that I am giving to you. Whoa. Only two, Joshua and Caleb, believed what God had said. Everyone else, because of fear, entered into unbelief. And I think that is the battle in our nation. Do we stand on what God has said? Or do we let fear and unbelief come in and we miss the promise? We want to be a people that by faith and perseverance inherit the promises. For your life, for your family, for this city, for this region, we stand together to inherit the promises that God has spoken. Is there an amen to that? You see, in Scripture, there's a time between the Word and the promise fulfilled. 
Time and time and time and time and time and time and time again in Scripture, we see the Word spoken and the promise fulfilled. But there is a gap. There is a gap right there. There is a gap between the Word and the promise fulfilled. We read it all the time. We see it all the time. And sometimes we... We may miss it because we gobble chapters up and we miss the fact that there was 11 years here, 13 years there, 10 years there, 40 years here. Hopefully we're not waiting for 40 years for some things, hey. But you know what I'm talking about. There was the word spoken and there was the promise fulfilled. Habakkuk's a great example, hey. Because the Lord said to him, he said, write down this vision. Clearly inscribe it on tablets so that one may easily read it. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It testifies about the end and it will not prove false. Though it delays, wait for it, since it will certainly come to pass and not be late. Oh, You see, our timing and God's timing is very different. When people used to come up to me, you know, 20 years ago, and they go, the Lord says soon. I used to be really excited until I realized that soon meant. So when someone comes up to me and prophesies soon, I'm like, oh, great. We're going to be waiting for a few more years yet. There's this gap in the middle. And this is where the faith and the perseverance comes in. Do we believe what God has spoken? Or somewhere along this part of the journey, do we let fear and unbelief come in and we give up? God's just looking for us to stand. We see that right throughout Scripture. You know, I was thinking during the week when I was praying into this, Ephesians chapter 6. And it says, be strengthened in the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle, which has already been said today, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the, heaven, in the heavens. For this reason, I remind you to take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand and resist in the evil day and have done, have, having done everything to stand. And sometimes it's like that. We try and work our way through the situation. I'll try this, I'll try this, I'll do this, I'll do this. Even the things that God is asking us to do. Yep, I've done this. Yep, I've done that. Yes, I've done this. Now stand. Stand in the knowledge that God is faithful. That what he has said he would do and what he started he will finish. He is not a man that he should lie. I think we need to remind ourselves of that. He is not a man that he should lie. He is a good God. There is only goodness coming out of him. He will finish what he started. We see this in Scripture. 
Exodus chapter 14. The Egyptians are behind them. The sea is before them. Do you ever feel like you've been pressed from both sides? Two people know what that's like. Okay, only two. You feel like, well, we can't go back. I don't know how we're going to go through. The Lord said through Moses to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. What a beautiful reminder. Stand, and you will see the salvation of our God. Jehoshaphat was like that, wasn't he? 2 Chronicles chapter 20. He said, you do not need to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand, and you will see the salvation of our God. You know in Scripture, when there's patterns, because everything's established by two or three testimonies, you know when you see the same pattern throughout Scripture, running from the Old Testament all the way through the New, that it's something that we need to take note of. God is asking us today to stand. To not come under the things of this world, to not come under fear, to not come under unbelief, to not uh, come under these things, to not come under the lies and the deceit of the enemy, to not come under these things, but to stand and say, God said it, so I believe it. I was thinking in a strange kind of way, about Zacchaeus. Because when I say stand, I don't literally mean, come on, you've got to stand. Okay, I'm standing. It's a heart position. It's a heart position. Just like humility, just like worship, just like these things are a heart position. Yes, there can be an external um, overflow into maybe laying down on the floor or prostrating ourselves. But, you know, to stand is a heart position. And I think, you know, Zacchaeus, here he was up a tree, but he was standing. Because he'd heard about this Jesus. Have you heard about this Jesus? Have you heard about the one that could turn water into wine? that can open the, the, the ears of the deaf, that can help the blind to see, that can, that can make the lame walk. Have you heard about this, Jesus? Have you heard about the one that everyone was, that, that came to him was healed? Have you heard about this, Jesus? Have you heard about the one that is ushering in the kingdom? Well, sorry, I'm back in his time. That is ushering in the kingdom of God? Zacchaeus did. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was the chief tax collector and he was very rich. He was trying to see Jesus. He was not able to because of the crowd and he was a short man. Woo! 
Dave Lane, yes, bless you. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. He, Jesus saw him and he knew, he knew the faith that this man was carrying. He knew that he had a posture, that he was standing and believing for the promises of God. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully and all who saw it began to complain. Man, isn't that the religious spirit again? Oh, Jesus is spending time with a sinner, with a chief tax collector, this rich man who just steals from everyone. What, you know, what's going on here? But Zacchaeus stood there. Did you get that? In the midst of the grumbling and the complaining, which is the language of hell, Zacchaeus didn't come under it, but he stood there. What would happen if we didn't grumble and complain? We'd be quiet. Maybe God might just start to turn our language to heaven. Maybe he might just start to turn our language to heaven. Just a thought. I'm speaking to myself too, by the way. Zacchaeus stood there and he said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of all my possessions to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times the amount. There was some Holy Spirit stuff going on here. And Jesus said, today. Salvation has come to this house. Because he too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. By faith and perseverance, we inherit the promises. Think about the one that was dragged, you know, to the pool of Bethesda, day in, day out. Dragging himself there, trying to get a touch of the waters that he could get healed. He had faith and perseverance, didn't he? What about the man? What about the one that was at the, at the temple gate, at the beautiful gate, at the glory gate? What about the one? Every day it said he was there. Every day. Even Jesus would have passed him. Whoa. There's a bit of a spinner. Even Jesus would have passed him. And yet this day, this day when they, went up to, when, when they went up for prayer, this day when they went up for prayer, look at me. 
Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. He had faith and perseverance. Such faith, such perseverance. We can be assured of that. We can be encouraged with that. Because we read in Matthew that we've been reading over the past couple of months because it's about the kingdom of God. You know, Peter's confession of the Messiah. When Jesus, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, well, some say John the Baptist. Others, Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, but you, who do you say I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? Because this is the key to that. If your life and your faith and your hope is not being built upon Jesus Christ, when the waves come and the wind comes and the storm comes, you start to sink. And I believe the church needs to come back to the foundation that is Jesus Christ. Simon Peter, he was always the one, wasn't he? If that's you, Lord, tell me to come. I'm going to cut his ear off. How dare he say that? He was always the one. But look who, look who he became. Imagine being the one that spoke the message on the day of Pentecost and seeing the Holy Spirit come in such a way there was tongues of fire all over people and the 3,000. Imagine being in that place. Simon Peter said, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, as I've said before, it's where the Catholic Church get it all wrong. It's not Peter, it's Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have also been loosed in heaven. That is our statement. I believe, Jesus, that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and that you are building your church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail. They shall not prevail against it. I declare that Jesus is building his church in Australia. He is building his church in Australia. I don't care what censors say. I don't care what the papers say. I declare that Jesus Christ is building his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. That's the kind of faith that we need to walk in. Perseverance is like a swear word in our culture. What? Our culture has shifted so much over the last 25 years. We've gone from no internet to if something doesn't load on our phone, stupid phone, 
Oh, this email still not sending. What's going on? It's gone past that. It's gone past that stage. We used to be okay with waiting five minutes in line for a burger, burger at McDonald's. But now if it's not on the, on the counter within a minute, we're like, oh man, these people are slow. The world is impacting us more than we think. And in the midst of it, perseverance has been lost. And I think in the midst of what happened over the last three years, one of the things has been an opportunity to stand and to persevere. To keep loving, to keep praying, to keep giving, to keep on, keep on, keep on. Do not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And the people said, I want to finish with a few verses out of Hebrews 11. But I want to say that the Lord is looking for a people of faith and perseverance. Is that you? Is that you? It's faith and perseverance that are going to inherit the promises. You know, you think about the, the revival in the, in the um, Hebrides. Or was it the Isle of Lewis? Lewis Island, I think. Where was these little old ladies gathered? And they believed. You know, I hear sometimes people in their 80s saying, I don't really know what my place is because I struggle to do certain things. Be like those ladies and pray it in. Pray in the move of God. Pray in the miracle. There was fire over the top of the barn or the house, whatever it was. It was seen. Even though it was spiritual, it was seen. And I remember they were given the name Duncan Campbell. And they, con and they contacted Duncan Campbell, a Presbyterian minister. And they said, we believe that you're meant to come and, the, and that the Lord's going to start a mighty work. And he goes, nah. I don't think so. Sorry, that's the Australian language. Long story short, God spoke to him and he did. And he went and it started. It just took three people who had faith and perseverance that would inherit the promise. That's why Friday night prayer is the engine room of everything we do. I don't say come to Friday night prayer because I want to see 200 people there. I want to see you value what happens in those nights. I want to see you value what God is doing through the people that are there praying. And I know some of you can't make it and you pray at home at the same time. That is awesome also. Perseverance to inherit the promise. You know what faith and perseverance does? It really positions us with a total dependence upon God. Someone shared before, it was uh, Megan, whatever, shared before about surrender. That's what it does. 
when we are when, when we are operating in faith and perseverance, we're saying, God, you are our only hope. But we believe that you can. We are like the Israelites with the army behind them and the sea before them that stood. We are like Jehoshaphat with the army coming against them that stood. We are like Zacchaeus when all the grumbling and the complaining was all around him. He stood with the dependence upon the Lord. So let me finish with a few verses from Hebrews 11. Read it for yourselves. Go home and read Hebrews 11 again. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith. There are people out there today that are saying that wasn't six, six years, or six years, six days, seventh day. It's six million years. And so God rested for a whole million years. That works. By faith. By faith. By faith. Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. Abel offered God the first. Cain offered God some of the other. It's a hard thing. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not experience death. Wow. That's a good one. <laughs> what faith that is. He was just like, woo! Or, woo! By faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen, and motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Here he was, building the ark, and it wasn't raining, it wasn't wet. Where, where, where was all the water? Can you imagine the grumbling and the complaining? Can you imagine the words that were being spoken about him? Can you imagine that stuff? But by faith, he built an ark. By faith, Abraham when he was called to go to a place that he did not know where he was going, set foot out and, and away he went. That was our verse. That was given to us as a family. By faith, Sarah, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who promised was faithful. It's all by faith. It keeps going. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac. Abraham giving up his son because he figured that God could even raise him from the dead. It was a type of Christ. It was pointing to Christ that the, the Father gave his only son who was resurrected. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons and he worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. And you've heard me say this before, it's so important. If you don't write down what you've seen God do in your life, then maybe you should start. Because the Jewish staff was not just a piece of wood. 
It was a memory of everything that they'd seen God do. He would put a notch and another notch and another notch. And we just think about it for a minute. He leaned on his staff and he worshipped. You can remember everything that God had done. Sometimes I think we forget what God has done. And in the midst of the battle and the circumstance, we forget. So I think we need to write it down. So you remind yourself about what God has done. By faith, Moses. By faith. By faith. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, um, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength in weakness, became mighty in battle, and put foreign armies to flight. Women again, uh, sorry, women received their dead, raised to life again. Other people were tortured, not accepting release, so, so that they may gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings and bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered around in sheepskins, in goatskins, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these were approved through their faith. Even those who did not receive the promise that they thought in this lifetime, they were approved by their faith. The disciples came to Jesus after they tried to drive out a demon. And they said, why couldn't we drive it out, Jesus? And he said, because of your little faith. For truly I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. We had mustard last night. We had honey mustard chicken. Mustard seeds are small. They're small, and yet they are potent. They are so potent. You can tell this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe you're going to do it again. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so. Our God is a miracle-working God. He's building our faith. That screws would disappear. That cancers would disappear. That circumstances would change. That those things that people say is not possible become possible. 
because nothing is possible for our God. This is why I believe that this move of God is not just a revival that has come and gone in six months' time because he is depositing something in the hearts of his people and it will not stop. The faith will not stop. The belief will not stop. And I want to encourage you in the midst of your battle. I want to encourage you in the midst of the circumstance to take heart. Remind yourself of everything that you've seen God do. And continue to draw on the faith that he gives to you. And let's overcome some things together. By faith and perseverance, we will inherit the promises of God. Bundaberg belongs to Jesus. Bundaberg belongs to Jesus. This region will be not known for its rum. This region will be known for the spirit of the living God. Good morning, church. Um, I just want to quickly share a little bit of my testimony because um, this day, 21 years ago, uh, as a, a girl that grew up in a Christian home, had a lot of head knowledge about God, didn't know him in, in his heart, um, I was drunk, I was stoned, um, and I fell off a six-story cliff onto rocks. So... Um, this day, 21 years ago, I was declared paraplegic. I had severed 90% um, of the nerves to lower half of my body. And I found myself in a hospital bed, spinal unit, it's PA hospital in Brisbane. <laughs> and I didn't know. But the thing that just was there was God. So with that little mustard seed of faith, I called out and I said, God, I won't be here anymore. If I can't walk, if I can't ride my horse, if I can't ride my motorbikes, if I can't be out there doing what the boys can do, I won't be here. And I got tingling in my big toe. And that was that touch of God that I needed. I just needed it. And you know, that next day I could move that big toe. And I was going, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And you know, they said I'd never walk again. They said I would never have children. They said I would never have any use of anything from my waist down. No bowel, bladder, wheelchair, rest of my life. But God had other plans for me. And he said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And that's why my boy is called Jeremiah. <laughs> because, <laughs> praise God, he worked an amazing miracle in my life. And the thousands of people that I still meet today that prayed for me, I walked. Three and a half months I walked out of that hospital praising my Jesus. And I've been through so many trials and things, but he's there. And I'll say, this last 12 months has been, God's taken us to some really hard places. But I tell you what he's done in my life is I just can't stop turning to Jesus. So... 
doesn't matter if you're in a wheelchair and he's, they say you can't walk. Jesus has got other plans for you. And if he can do it for me, he can do it for anybody. And it might not be what you've got in mind, but if you trust him and just let it go to him, he will do it all for you too. So I stand here today as a testimony of God's goodness and faithfulness and I can dance and I can sing because God's got plans for each one of us. And my gosh, there is better days ahead. So, praise the Lord. So we stand together. We're going to sing, I see you move. Let's do that. Our declaration is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will worship the Lord. Amen. We will worship Him. Restoration Centre may be known for all kinds of things, but it starts with that we are worshippers. And God is teaching us what, what it really is to be a worshipper, to worship Him in spirit and in truth, because everything comes from a place of worship. And I'm just talking about singing songs. I'm talking about we are worshippers. Our hearts in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the circumstances, in the midst of the, the naysayers, we say, no, 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 as for me and my house, we will worship the Lord. So let's garner our faith together. We stand together. We thank you, God, for the breakthroughs that some people have seen. We thank you for the miracles that we've seen. We thank you, God, and we give you all praise and glory. Jesus, that you would be magnified and exalted. But Lord, we know there is many more whether it's an individual, whether it's a family, whether it's us collectively as a group, there are promises, there are words that have not yet come to pass. But we know we've seen you move the mountains and we believe you can do it again. Let the people say, look what the Lord has done. Let the people say, look what the Lord has done. Let Bundaberg say, let, look what the Lord has done. He has done great things. So we rise in faith. God, give us a faith. Give us perseverance to inherit.